0: Welcome back to Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons-Debro. Today was supposed to be a pretty laid-back episode, talking football, recruiting, taking some Dean Beacon Digest mailbag questions. I'm still going to do those things, but probably five minutes after I pressed the record button to start recording originally, I saw a report from Kevin O'Connor that Bobby Clipman is pulled out of the NBA draft combine. Clipman has also recently informed Wake Forest that he is not returning to college. So obviously,
1: I had to scrap that and start over. So
0: let's start with just the Bobby stuff. I said that I'm not shocked that he's not returning to college, very shocked that he's not participating in the combine. What I mean by that is there are only two. There were really only two outcomes for this, which was either Bobby was going to come back to college, or Bobby was going to, or Bobby was going to not come back to college. That that's it. I don't think that Bobby. Bobby was definitely being tampered with. That's let's let's just call a spade a spade. But so is everyone being tampered with.
1: I don't necessarily want.
0: That to be as a thing of, oh well, like certain. Because I know there have been definitely threads on other people's message boards saying they're thinking about this guy or this guy as this mystery sort of wing. Bobby would have came back to Wake if he's if he's coming back here,
1: if he was if he was coming back to college, but that is not the case anymore.
0: So it surprises me a little bit and doesn't. So with Bobby, he is the mystery man. I've said this in the threads and I've said and talking to people, on the VIP threads and I've said talking to people. Bobby's entire intrigue is the fact that you don't know what he really is. He didn't play a whole ton until the last month of the, of the season and age. So you're you're trying to bank on, hey, this guy is going – is we don't really know what he's going to be right now, and we're just going to take a chance on him. But you're just simply projecting right now. And that's kind of one of the – not kind of. Besides what I had been hearing, that's been the biggest reason why I thought he was coming back was because I thought – and this is not a slight to Bobby in the slightest – the combine would have been a bad idea for him. The combine in a sense was a bad, would have been a bad idea for him. Verified measurements, which is one reason why the NBA is making people next year, go to the, go to the actual combine if you, and just have everyone get met, get verified. There was a reason he wasn't playing five on five And the things that he needs to work on in terms of just who he is, he needs to get stronger. He needs he's more fast than he is quick. So in terms of kind of closing out, it's it can it can be kind of a struggle for him. Just agility. Like the two things that you're gonna show in there, besides a three-pointer. And he has he's a he's a solid spot-up shooter. Your strength and agility, you are you are going to be kind of exposed on that a little bit when it comes to the combine. And that's why I originally was a little bit confused because from talking to a few scouts over the last couple of weeks, the consensus has been, we don't know why he's going through the combine. It doesn't help his case at all. And so that's why I was like, okay, cool. It's fine with me. So, why would one person drop out of the combine, still staying in the draft, but you know, what's kind of going on there? There are two reasons. One, he is he has gotten a promise from someone in the back end of the first round, which possible. Other option is he's gotten enough feedback to say, hey, we're going to we need another year out of you. And from talking to people in a circle, talking to advisors, they've all felt as if the next logical step would be that, you know, you go to Australia. It would be that you go to G League Ignite. You go to somewhere else that isn't college and work on simply just that, which
1: makes sense for someone like Bobby, who loved the kid, isn't here to play school, so
0: I don't really know which one is more likely than the other. I mean, it's definitely weird, like some someone taking a a shot on him in the late first round without seeing anything. Like you, like Bobby has not had workouts yet, <laughs> so that's that's kind of the interesting thing. Like it's it, it would be interesting to see that happen. I'm not going to discount it. I would probably lean more towards him being in the G League. In general, but it's a question of does does he go to the G League from the draft, or does he just decide to go to G League tonight? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Does he does he shut this entire process down? So I'm 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 intrigued about it. I don't think he's necessarily going to a to a lottery pick. I don't think that's going to be. It's going to be really. Interesting to see if he shuts the entire process down. Does he, in fact, start going on workouts, which wouldn't really make sense? Does he eventually pull out of the draft and just go straight to G League, or does he just say, "I'm just staying in the draft," and you hear nothing about him until draft night?
1: It's gonna be. It's gonna be
0: interesting. A, a sentiment that I I've seen the last. A week or two weeks or really any time that someone from Wake jumps into the draft and stays in there is it sucks that X Y and Z teams I can use UNC as an example can bring their players back but Wake can't if and this especially holds true if Bobby didn't that get a first round
1: promise those guys coming back aren't NBA
0: guys just just straight up. Armando Baycott is not an NBA player. Absolutely, he's he's not. Baby T was a little bit surprising, but I think in general, I think he ends up being maybe a second rounder and you just kind of hope hope and pray there. Caleb Love, guards are a dime a dozen. Don't need one that chucks. Like these guys that are that come back, I think the, the only weird one coming back is uh, Kyle Filipowski. And I don't think he comes back If he has, if he doesn't have to have double hip surgery, like someone would have drafted him, but the fact that he can't really work out or do anything like it's not, it's not even like Bobby where Bobby at least is like working out every day and going through all this stuff. Kyle's Kyle's got double hip surgery. He can't do much until later this summer. And that's not really what you want out
1: of a big man that you don't really know what what you're going to get out of. You know, I, does Proctor come back? I I think I'm not sure. I think Proctor might come back, but you
0: you it's it's one of those things that I think Duke. Oh, excuse me, Proctor did come back. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that like I think Duke is pretty much the only team that you're like, damn, I wish those those people those people didn't come back. But if I look at say UNC or State, those guys aren't playing in the NBA. Like they just aren't. So I don't really have that. It's a good problem to have because you you get guys with considerable upside and those people blossom in the first round of picks, and that's great. It sucks because the next year you have to sit here and actually you – know, right now, Steve Forbes has to go out and recruit another person for his roster. He is not going to leave that 13th spot open, which, you know, it happens, but it is what it is. I I commend Bobby for making a decision, and I hope he's made the best decision for him. And I will consider, I will root for him no matter what. But, but I I don't think the whole like it. I, I can see how it can get frustrating. It it's fine. They'll they'll be just fine. I I've seen the takes already of I've seen takes already of this is this massive loss for 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 Wake and all of his stuff. And I, I think it is a loss that necessarily you wouldn't want to have this. And I feel like I don't end up being the rosiest of people. I don't think that's ever been my reputation. This is one of the ones that I, am, I am very high on Bobby. And I again, I said, if he came back, he'd be my pick for AC player of the year just out of the gate. But a
1: lot of that, again, is also projection. I
0: would very much lean to the sense of i don't think this is this devastating loss and wick is never going to recover from it and you know their season went from being a 7 seed to not even making the tournament i i don't think it that if if someone like andrew carr or cam hildriff left the team yeah i would i would have that sentiment right now bobby i it's it's a lot of projection but that's that's really it. You were counting on a considerable jump from from Bobby. You, know, you were you were you were sitting here essentially saying, "I think he's going to take this massive jump," but it's not something like it. Say I the the actual better example would be someone like Tyree Appleby. Losing Tyree Appleby is someone that I'm like, okay, cool. That makes your roster take a full step back. Now adding Kevin Miller, Boopy, love Boopy. That. Lessons that bl- that brought, like, all together. Losing Bobby, uh, someone you're trying to project, does not necessarily have the same sort of impact. So I think I think they'll be fine. I, th- I think things will be fine. It's going to suck. You're, it's going to be, like, annoying for the next 24, 48 hours. Wish the best for him. So now from the Steve Forbes side of things, where does Wake go from here? I feel like it's kind of kosher enough now, since it's been a while since it was being posted about, was that there is at least one name that I know has been connected to Wake Force. Just the, my general stance on the specific name has always been big names, has always been that stays behind VIP stuff until it isn't. There is there is there is a name that I know. Wake Forest is very much in on the text that I got about this. What was that? I think it was about three days ago. Yes, yeah, so Friday was that Wake Forest is
1: "quote unquote" all over him in case something happens. <laughs> I think that tells you enough of what, of
0: what's going on. I've been very, very, very clear that around this time is when I expected Wake Forest to start being linked to people, whether they thought Bobby was gone or not. This is the time that you're like, okay, cool. Whether or not you've made a decision or not doesn't matter to me. It's a, you, we need to get our own house in order. And if your spot ends up being gone, like it, it, it's, it's a, not so much a leverage. It's a, look, we have someone here that's ready to commit. We're coming up on a deadline. What are you going to do? We, we got We got to have an answer either way, which sucks, but. Eh. But yeah, he is the wake is been all over him. They are an active and early player from what I've heard. And they were very much single. And I, I mean, I tried to ask, dig around for names in terms of other schools, Kind of pick it out of it, and the the text I got back was Wick was singled out as as the place. So I don't I'm not saying it's going to be a done deal. I don't I don't want that to be misconstrued. I don't think it's a done deal or anything. I wouldn't be shocked if you heard about any official visits picking up this weekend can happen right about now because Steve Forbes is in Amelia Island because the ACC meetings are happening right now. So until I think they're happening until Wednesday, but. I think they'll I, I think they'll be fine. And I think that they'll bring a guy in at scholarship. And I think there'll be a, a a lot of a lot of fight between them and Marquise Marion, who i I want to see if Marion gets on campus. I am very much not a freshman or do do good things, but I do sit here and actually believe that. Marcus Marion is someone that absolutely can be a, by January a solid guy. I think just being able to come in and actually work out, adjust and just not that Bobby didn't have the mindset, Bobby definitely had the mindset, but I think Marion might be ahead of where Bobby is at this stage in terms of in terms of his development. And so I think with a transfer in Marion at you know that four. I think they'll be, I think they'll be good. So yeah, I mean, it sucks, but that's, that's just kind of where we are right now. So before we get into the rest of the show, let's hear a word from our sponsors
1: Football recruiting,
0: a much, much, much lighter topic. So in the last couple of weeks, with Force has gotten two commits, spoke wide receivers. I was told that a wide receiver coach from the Air Force couldn't recruit or couldn't coach. What's going on here? Mostly fun. I It's mostly fun. Everything that I've heard about Audi Confessor and it's pronounced Audi, I've got to make sure to sear that in my brain. But everything I've heard about Coach Confessor is that his infectious personality, was just a check plus plus. Every person when they meet him, apparently, is just absolutely enamored with them. I, when I went down for spring practice, as well as the pro day, I remember talking and just interacting with him and I remember just being like, this dude's great. I, I don't know this dude for more than five minutes, but this dude's fantastic. Everyone loves him. Players don't really care that much about the whole him coaching at Air Force. He's coached at other stops before that aren't a service academy. So it guys, guys really, really enjoy him. So the first one was Marquise Barrett. Uh, he, I, I love Marquise Barrett. He's 5'10", five, 5'11", five, five, I think closer to, I think closer to your 5'11", 160 pounds, A little bit more ripped than your traditional 160 pounds, but he's a solid guy. Rated as an 88 on 24-7 sports. I don't know if that necessarily will budge either one way or another. He's someone that, unless he grows just height-wise or has some track times to really really up, up the numbers, I think that's a solid grade for him right now. Just just projecting to the NFL being five eleven, unless you turn Zay Flowers, is hard to predict. But I think he they do think he twenty four seven with an eighty eight does think he will be a considerable piece to a power five as a power five starter. Offers from Arkansas, Boston College, Cincy, Tennessee, Vandy, Virginia Tech, a whole bunch of others. Vandy had that one locked in the bag back in January. I. I don't do crystal balls. If I would have back in January, it would have been vanity all the way. And then with Coach Confessor, they just, he just started chipping away and chipping away and chipping away at him. Got him on campus. And then once, once you got him on campus, that's for whatever reason with Wake, if you, they get prospects on campus, they'd have a considerable win rate at that. There's definitely times they lose because you lose more than you win in recruiting in general. But getting guys on campus for them is usually a if they, especially if they are okay with it being a smaller school. And that is something that definitely works against Wake in terms of when they're now trying to work up into the upper echelons of recruiting and just not just have to deal with diamonds in the rough, is a lot of those guys that are rated highly tend to end up being guys that like being in that big environment, being at these big schools, like a Georgia, like a Bama, like a Florida, like they, they love being on these big campuses. And I know there are definitely some, some guys that I've talked to that have been really, really high on the coaching staffs and really, really high on you know, development and everything, but they get to wake and they honestly get kind of turned off just because of how small it is. They feel a little bit claustrophobic there, which I understand a school like Wake Forest just isn't for everybody. Baird is not that kind of guy. Baird is, He'll thrive in that sort of environment. And I think it'll be a really good change for what he's at right now. So, really, really sold on this. And I think a a big thing about Barrett, at least for me, is the fact that he is more than solid on the defensive side of the ball. He had a few power five offers for DB. If things don't work out for him at wide receiver at this level, I think that he's someone you can keep around a little bit longer and say, hey, do you want to be able to try? you know, corner, whether that's a nickel, whether that's, whether that's an outside guy, you could, you could theoretically say, Hey, this didn't work out. Cool. There's some wide receivers that I go, this doesn't work out for you at all. You're too stiff in the hips. Barrett at least has film that shows he could be a P five defensive back. And so I'm really like that. Second commit was Ben Grice out of Woodward Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Committed a while ago. And he's been one that we just, just kind of sat on that one for a while. like, is he ever going to commit? Sometimes when it gets that that long out, you get actually really worried about, is he ever going to announce? But he did. 30 offers. He just got his 30th, I think, a couple days ago. Ole Miss, Mizzou, Boston College, Michigan, Louisville, Northwestern, Stanford, Colorado, Texas A&M. TAMU, Colorado, Stanford, and Northwestern, the last four, have been very much pushing to bring him on campus. He's been, no. He I had an interview with him up on 24-7 Sports the other day he is very locked in. It's a little weird. He's still posting offers. I don't really know about that one, but he's from talking to him, talking to people around him. He is solid on, on not taking other visits. We'll see if that continues, but at least from the early indications right now, he's not taking visits anywhere else, he's fully focused. And one big thing for him is so a little background is that Grice was originally committed to Delaware for lacrosse, and that's part of the reason why he's an 87. We consider upside because hey, this dude was committed to a solid lacrosse lacrosse program before being a football player, and with that, and that came to the grade is we don't really have confirmed measurables on him. There are no track times. He, the only other sport he plays is lacrosse. And it's really hard to say, oh, you scored this amount of goals. This is, this helps this. It, it's, a, you can say like, oh, cool. The athleticism is there, but anything past that doesn't really help you. But also because he's playing lacrosse and spent a lot of his summer doing it. He didn't have, he didn't camp anywhere. He didn't go to seven feet. He didn't do any 77 ball. He didn't, he didn't do anything of that. And so that changes a bit because this summer he's, as he told me that he's actually doing 77, he's doing summer ball, he's doing all, he's fully focusing on football that clogs up your schedule a little more because you're now traveling across everywhere just to, just to kind of actually play, which means less time for you to visit anywhere else. And then when he's in the fall, I mean, he's going to be playing probably a little bit of fall ball as well for the cross and then football. So I don't know if he has time to visit anywhere else, if he if doesn't get anywhere this summer, I don't know if he really has time to go anywhere else. So, But with him being at 7v7 and him having summer ball, I do think he's a guy that could quietly jump up to a 90-91 as a four-star. He I hate comparisons, and this comparison is definitely going to be like the, of course. But the second I watch him, he looks like Alex Bachman. He looks like Alex Bachman with just an extra gear. And I think if you put Alex Bachman right now in a, you put the film of that on 24 seven sports verified measurements that probably gets you about a four star because Alex Bachman was a very good collegiate wide receiver. So I think he, I think he, that was a steal for them. They have fought a lot of good programs for him and I think they, they're going to really, really enjoy what they get out of him. Moving on over to the mailbag questions. First question we got was potential assistant coaching candidates. So essential uh, assistant coaching candidates are like essentially assistant coaches in football where names aren't really thrown out that much because you're you're probably poaching them from another school. So when you're poaching like a big and actual name brand head coach. Usually, agents are more are happy to put names out there left and right. When you're poaching an assistant coach, whether that's from another school, the G League, overseas, and anywhere else, agents are a lot less likely to put names out there because it just kind of gets a little wonky. I will say that I did hear, and this is because it's not really a VIP thing because it doesn't have a name attached to on the it, so I'm fine with it. I did hear that last weekend, not last week, I think it was around Wednesday or Thursday, that there was a candidate on campus and that that meeting went very well, which is why I posted for VIP members and it's been past sort of a timeline and I feel comfortable that I don't expect this to necessarily go a lot farther. I don't think this, I don't think it bleeds into June, to be quite honest. So yeah, there was someone on campus a few days ago, heard it went well. That's pretty much all I've got out of that one. Football scholarships, aren't we over the limits? And no new names, on the surface of leaving. Uh, I, I have crunched the numbers multiple ways. Multiple ways. And I keep I keep getting to the same conclusion that they're over the limit. And you know, I'm not gonna speculate on certain people leaving. But I mean, it, it it I could see it's like there. There are ways to get around it. Whether it's you know a gray shirt, whether it's you know, a walk on being that was given a scholarship ends up not having that scholarship. But you know you can with nil. You can basically do. You can basically cover that for a semester. It's it's just one semester. It's fine.
1: You it it's it's weird, but the numbers
0: work out. So I'm not. I I have kind of given up. Uh, at least on this, at least on this cycle, especially with the logjam, I've kind of given up. I, I think there's room for one more. Like I think they would take another t- defensive tackle if it's if it's a sure bet, but with taking a transfer corner, that I'll get to in a little bit. That I think that the numbers are just weird. I'm not the NCAA. I, I they're not going to. I'm not the NCAA. So it doesn't matter to me if you're slightly over and you're doing some walking stuff. Everyone, everyone's to some degree, everyone's a little over. It's just a matter of how you count the numbers. So is what it is. Are there many movements with the coaching staff pursuing corners or DT transfers in the portal? As follow-up, is there any is there a legitimate reason for concern at those two positions? So over the weekend, they picked up a commitment from DeMarcus Rankin, a D2 corner out of Notre Dame College. This was one that I know that the staff was very, very. They liked him, and they didn't want this dude's name to get out there. Which, from watching him, I can kind of see why. I know Penn State and South Carolina were two names that were very much trying to get Adam, yeah, I and the school was like, we want to make sure he gets here in the in the summer, so that way, we still have him. Solid guy, about six. I think he's five eleven, six foot he actually plays the ball in the air. I'll have it right up on him later this week. He actually plays the ball in, which is really just a refreshing thing to see. It's an, it's an E it's a really interesting thing to see when a new position coach takes over who rises up in sort of the pecking order and who really falls out of favor with that. And I mean, we kind of saw it come to a head a little bit with Gavin and JJ Roberts last year. I mean, they, Weren't necessarily guys that Paul recruited, and they, I mean they were in a sense, but not. But they weren't like his guys, and so it it's a real. It was really interesting to see now
1: with that corner that you know, not
0: that a guy like Zamari Stevenson was. Zamari Stevenson wasn't a guy that they. I don't. I think they would. They would love him to 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 come up but it's if he was yeah he's got to grow up and he wasn't someone that chip west necessarily recruited and so not that i think there's any bad blood there but i think it's just something that you gotta you have to see for an entire year how those two sort of mesh and it happens all the time when you have new wide receivers new new coaches like if a wide receiver left for the portal after this year I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he wasn't someone that necessarily fit into what Audi Confessor really likes to do with his receivers. And that's something you just have to kind of, it's one of the gives and takes of when you, when you have turnover at a position, like sometimes not everyone in the room meshes with the coach. And sometimes the coach doesn't mesh with everyone in the room, which is why I think it was really important for Confessor that they brought in a bunch of current wide receivers to be like, Hey, do you guys mesh with this, with this coach? And so, but I think now with Rankin, with a guy like Jamari Glasker, with Kalen and with Deshaun Jones, that I feel, I feel a little more comfortable at a corner. I don't feel exactly like ecstatic, but I feel like you could take at least one injury and not sit there and be like, let's hold on for dear life. And that's how it felt. I mean, that's how it felt last year was essentially you got – and, and it, it. we thought that J.J. was going to be better and we thought that maybe a freshman kind of comes up and especially with Isaiah Wingfield didn't really progress as people really wanted him to. They suffered an injury to Kalen and that was it. I mean, you had Gavin who was up and down. J.J. wasn't – didn't produce – Wingfield and produced. Jamal Martin was fine and Deshaun Jones was hurt half the year. So you really I, I think now you're at least can at least take a deep breath there. Defensive tackle is a little weirder because at that position, you don't want someone to just fill a scholarship because they already have a bunch of guys there that are Eh, that are that are that are just you're just guessing and hoping for them and I think there's there are a couple of guys that I've heard them be connected to that I I've been shocked that they have not person harder but I've also been yeah you probably don't know if what they're what they are right now and do you try to wait, get a scholarship on a guy that has multiple years of eligibility if they if you're not sure if they can produce at this level. So that's kind of the weird thing. I'm I'm a little more worried about DT, but it's more of I want to see Bryce Ganius and Nick Helbig. If Bryce Ganius and Nick Belt Helbig come in there and both be good players, I don't need I don't need my, I don't need Kobe Turner. If you can go in there and be good players, then I can take a deep breath because I I can I can sit there and say, okay, cool, Kevin Pointer, Nick Helbig, Bryce Ganius, and then a fourth out of one of White Crespi or one of the incoming freshmen or a or a I'm blanking on his name from Isaiah Cheney or Justin Williams. If one if one you basically have six people to five or six people that you're like, can one of you guys just give us a of DT? that's a lot better than saying, hey, can two of you guys be DT2 or DT3? So that's that's kind of where you're at there and why I'm a little bit worried about it. But if these guys can come, if, if Helbeck can get in and he seems like he's adapted in terms of like learning, I've heard he's very quick learner from, from what he's already been able to absorb, but I want to see him actually perform. And Ganya should be good for fall camp because he, he came back in the, the latter part of, spring camp and was just behind but if he can stay healthy he should be good hypothetical one wake forest goes 10 and 2 11 and 1 12 and 0 next year what happened so so what happened if if you know they win 10 plus games
1: 10 plus games means Mitch is the real deal which i think he is i think that's something that's going to argue i I think like
0: that's that's it I think you absolutely hit on corner. Whether it's someone grows up in the fall, or Antonio Robinson slash Trayvon West sit here and actually
1: become freshman starters,
0: I think you probably if you're ten if you're 10 and two, I probably give the losses to Clemson and Notre Dame. I don't I don't know if they're I don't know if they're big enough um to, to, for that just yet. Next year they'll be big enough. But I think right now they're not. But I, I think it's a combination of if you win 10 games, you definitely start out 4-0. Would you, they absolutely should start out 4-0. I, I, have seen, I have seen the takes already of Vanderbilt sitting here and being, you know, what if Vanderbilt gets the over already in their win total? I think their win total is like four and a half, maybe. No, I think it's three and a half. No. No, no, no. V- Vanderbilt, I, I love Vanderbilt. I love what Clark Lee's doing over there. That roster has a long way to go before. I don't know how they stopped Wake. They didn't stop Wake last year. The only person that stopped Wake last year was themselves in that game. And that was in the rain. <laughs> Wake Forest put up 45 points in... Uh, solid rain no no I, that's that, that's going to be a game that i'm going to sit here and wake's going to be like a six point favorite at home and i'm going to sit here and put my entire rent check on Wake covering and just gonna like i did last time and walked and walked out of nashville looking very pretty it was a great it was a great you know three four days but yeah if you're going to into the price are and now lose if you're deuce clemson and then they go on another run. I mean, you got Pitt, Florida State, Duke, NC State before you go to South Bend. I think that Virginia Tech team is still going to stink. I, I do not believe in Grant Wells at all. They got Kyron Jones from Baylor. Drones is, Drones is athletic. I don't know if he can hit the side
1: of a barn right now, though. They can run. They would be able to run the
0: ball a little better, but that, I'm that, I'm not sold on that offensive line at all. Like absolutely at all. That that would be a game. That, that's a game that screams that Davis has a field day. in.
1: Pitt, my my thoughts on Phil Yorkovich
0: are very, very, very clear. I do not think he's a good team. I think they. I right now. I I think I line it as as Pitt. I think I actually line it as. Let's see. What have actually updated that earlier? last night because i've been trying to get more on top of that right now i would line that as wake as i'm as a slight underdog in that but i think that's more so that a lot of the factors in right now are returning production and when you lose a.t perry and kobe turner and ryan sminda and, oh, yeah, some 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 guy named Sam Hartman. I don't, I don't know who that is. Some some guy named Sam Hartman. When you lose four players that accounted for a lot of your return to production, the preseason numbers are going to hate you. That's just how that's going to work. I think Mitch and Jamal and Donnie in that wide receiving group is going to be phenomenal. I like where the, the offensive line is going. I love this linebacker and safety group. I love that, that group. Glenn Spencer, if, if the linebackers do what they're supposed to do, Glenn Spencer is supposed is, needs to have a raise because he flipped that room in about a year and a half. Go for it. James Adams, same way. I think James Adams is in line for a raise if, he, if the safeties do what they need to do this year, and I think they will. They That is a loaded safety group. Their, their third stringers would start a few other places in the, in the ACC. Like, I at this point, it's like, can we trade for defensive tackle, please, or a corner? But if you're going, if you're going 10, 10, 10, 11, 1, 12, and 0, the offense is better on third down. There, there are three things that Dave Cawson very much stressed about. This is what needs to be better than what wasn't good last year. Third downs on both sides of the ball, and on the offensive side was more so in the two minute drills. They st- stunk in two-minute drills last year. Absolutely stunk. Every single game that they needed a two-minute drill to go out there and ice or
1: win the game, they didn't do it.
0: Excuse me, except one. I'll give them the, the one they did have was Liberty. They they did they do Liberty. Clemson, nope. Louisville was a
1: mess. NC State, nope. North Carolina, nope.
0: Duke. Nope. Like these games that they sat there and needed these like drives to just, you just, you just need to score, score right here. And you either ice the game or you, or, or you win it. They just didn't, they just couldn't do it. And that's not what you expected to see out of the offense. Like, and, and and again, I, I know it can be kind of tricky. Sometimes it's like, well, the offense still put up this amount of points, et cetera, et cetera that's great. You got to, you got to be able to score when it counts though. Like if I, if I'm sitting here and they, and again, they did it against, um, who was it against? They did it against Liberty where they very, it was, it was, it wasn't two minute drill. It was five minutes left where they drove down the field and, and scored. But like the, I, that Clemson last drive of the, of the, of the game of the, of regulation where, they had the ball, probably what about midfield, and couldn't punch it in, and couldn't and couldn't score. It was it, it was it wasn't just you didn't even need a touchdown at that point. Let's see, I'm pulling the playbook pay right now. You get the ball with
1: you get the ball with what is this?
0: Yeah, with four minutes left. And you're and you you working it down and working it down and working it down. And you get to the you get to the fo- you get to about midfield. They are they're at the it's first and ten at the 47, and you go rush rush for minus three, sack for minus four, and then a 12 yard and then a 12 yard pass that with about 50 seconds left puts you exactly at midfield with the
1: game tied. Man, like you,
0: like like that, like that's that that's the money drive. That's the drive where it's like, this is our offense. We've been prepping for this all all fall, all spring. We just need to go and just get ourselves in field goal range, and we win this game. And that's tough. Like like that can't happen. Same thing. I mean, the Duke game sticks out to me a little bit because that was a that Was a blatant like you just needed a drive, you you needed, excuse me, you needed just you have you have the ball, I think, it was what two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And again, this is it's not all one person, they're there, it's a team sport. And so, I'm specifically not as haven't been naming names, but they get it. down three points, two minutes left, and you get a 11 yard pass, and then. Drop, drop, drop. Three straight drops, and then a pick. Like, like, like what? That that can't happen. And that's something that they were they were very very good at in twenty twenty one, when they won ten plus games. Was because you look through those games, you look at Louisville. They need they needed to score at the end of the game. They got it. Syracuse needed. They Syracuse was both worlds because at the end of regulation they couldn't get it on either side of the ball and then won an OT. Army, they scored it. will. Chapel Hill, that was what that was that was the same thing in the loss. They couldn't get us on either side of the ball. They couldn't get one stop and they couldn't finish two-minute drill. That was that's where that was. But NC State iced the game because of it. And so that that's where you need to that's where though that your money is made is winning those winning those types of games and winning those types of and winning and just being able to just stay out in front and he cost who was just not happy with how the offense performed on that in during two minute drills. I think second thing is, and on the other side of that is just third down, they just could not get up They They created a, an insane amount of havoc last year. Shout out wine to phase. And they, created havoc the often the defensive line was just doing whatever they wanted to and they were getting people off schedule on first on first down and second down and then third down they would just give up a back breaking play and it's just come on you have the box the, the funny one was the boston college where on a fourth down they give up a, a punt, a punt, a fake punt for like 20 yards and then they sack yerk get a fumble and then Jasheen gets into king knocked out by an offensive lineman BC recovers, and I'm pretty sure they scored a touchdown on that drive. And it's just, it, but it was just one of those things of they just could not get off the field on third down. And that, that stunk. Lastly, injuries. You got to say, you got to stay healthy. Injuries have just ravaged this team the entire end. The thing is, if it's just one injury, it's fine. And you know, one injury at the corner position last year really hurt because they didn't have Kalen. But Gavin and JJ also went down too there are just times that they just run out of bodies at a position and I don't know what's, what's happening at that point. So the other side of the, of the hypothetical is, you know, Wake go six and six next year, what happened? That's the median outcome right now. That line's at six. I think it ends up being, I think I'm betting for seven, six and six. Schedule wise,
1: you know, they.
0: And six and six, they probably start at four and oh. Lose to Clemson, lose to Florida State, lose to South, lose to Notre Dame. That means one, two, three, four, five. So out of five games at, and you already have, two, you already have four wins. Means you lose three out of them. If you're
1: six and six, you probably beat Virginia Tech.
0: You probably beat Syracuse, but then lose to State, Duke, Pitt. And it's probably a combination of the offensive line just didn't hold up enough from where you needed to be. And your defense just, your, your corners just got burnt. That's pretty much it. Either your corners got burnt or you had absolutely, absolutely no pass rush up in the middle and people are just gashing there. I think the run defense will be great this year. The pass defense is where the worry is. So that would be what happened if they went six and six. I think seven to five and four is probably much more reasonable than six and six though. Like if I had to put the bell curve would probably be around. Like, I think I have wake projected for. Let's pull this up really quick. I think I have wig projected for. Seven wins. Yeah. I have I am spun on at seven wins. So. <laughs> I, I think six and six means a little, a little more injury and a little more. Both sides of the ball just couldn't get funky, just, just, got, just got funky and couldn't really get into a rhythm. Were there any four wide receiver sets, Scott? I hope so. That allowed to report about what I see in in, uh, in practice. I hope so. I mean, I think that also is very much determined on how the offensive line is doing. If the offensive line can hold up, I could see it. Because one of the biggest reasons they have the tight in there is so they have an extra blocker. But I would hope so. I think it'd be really fun to have a set with Banks, Green, one of probably probably Merrill, and then one of Moran or Key. That'd be fun. Powering the state of each of these football programs. Wake, Pitt, NC State, Louisville, Miami.
1: Ugh. Yeah. I'd probably say in the top spot would Ugh.
0: Uh. So the obvious answer is feels like Louisville because especially because because I think when I say when when I think state, I think far out, but I know what's gonna happen is is gonna win nine games this year because their schedule was sharp and soft. And everyone's gonna be like, oh well, you thought this program was in a terrible state. No, I think. If you've looked at Louisville's schedule, like it is, it is charming. It is, it is awful. They get they catch Notre Dame, which okay, cool. They catch Notre Dame, and that is it. They have Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, NC State on the road, Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, Kentucky. They there are maybe three games they aren't favorite in at this point and it's not because they're a great roster. They're just literally they just literally don't play anyone this year. So I, I think like, uh, I think moving forward Louisville has a better chance of being more sustainable cuz I think I really like Jeff Brom. I very much enjoyed Jeff Brom, but you know, I'm I'm still waiting to see what that actual roster looks like this year. I don't like Jack Plummer. I think he's bad. So I'd probably say Louisville one. I, I, I'd probably say Louisville is number one. Miami has to be too just because that program is ne- that the state of that program is never going to change unless they get a better coach. They're going to recruit at a very high level, which is your basis of having a, a good program. They have NIL money flowing in, which should be your basis of keeping said people. And they have a lot of funding from donors in terms of hiring and, and retaining coaches so all in all they should great i just don't think mario cristobal is a good coach i think we've all understood that that's been something that people really just don't like don't want to admit but mario cristobal is a very good talent evaluator he is very good at he's a very good recruiter he's very good at developing offensive the line he is a nauseatingly bad in-game coach he is a bad in-game coach And that just is what it is. And I think if when Chris Boguespire, which won't be this year at all, but in a couple of years, if he's let go, I think they'll still have a a good roster to to play around with. And that's just, that's what makes a good, that's what makes a good program. Like if Dave Gossman was to leave today, oh buddy. I'd put Wake third, just because I think Wake in terms of schedule next year and where, how the roster is constructed I don't like how NC State's or Pitt's prosperous constructor right now, like at all moving forward. I really like where Wakes is right now. And so I would put Wake Three, State Four, Pitt Five. I, I Narduzzi's got, Narduzzi, if Narduzzi doesn't win this year, win a lot this year, there's, there's going to be some question marks happening there. Over under 10 seed in the March 20, 20, 2024 NCAA tournament, even before the Bobby News. And I always hate, I understand why it's like this, but over, under, and I go like this, higher mean a lower seed? Does it mean like, this higher mean I'm a, I'm a close to a one seed, or does that mean I'm close to a 16 seed? I know the answer, but it always just breaks my brain. I don't know why.
1: Ugh. 10 is a good line. I'll go under. I think they could be, an, I think they could be
0: a nine. I think they could be a nine. You get, you get the pieces right, you get everyone healthy. I think, you, I think you, could, you could sign in as a 9, as a nine seed. Interested in an updated sense of how staff IDs potential football recruits. I know there was discussion a few years back about using analytics company to help with some targeting. Interested in an update, updated take on the mix of approaches given state in the program. Yeah, no, I mean, they still use that. And one of the biggest things about Wake right now is they don't feel the need to have to stay in state. Like, I understand people want to control the state in terms of recruiting and all of that jazz, but the talent in North Carolina honestly hasn't been great the last couple of years. It, I, I'm interested to see what last year's class ends up panning out to. But the, the in-state classes for North Carolina really hasn't been all that it's cracked up to be. And so put that on top of the fact that Wake needs to make sure these kids can get in and stay in school. Because I know there are kids that have been talented that could not stay in at Wake. And they know that. And so what they'll do is, and it's kind of helps the staff. I know guys like Dave Cohen and John Hunter are basically revered by so many staffs in the state of Georgia. I know Wayne Lineberg and Tobacco have basically, and now good old Mr. Chip West have all the high school guys in Virginia. So now they, they, a lot of times they can put their efforts into scouting out those, those guys in terms of Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and, you know, guys in state, Wayne Leinberg, Brad Lambert can kind of handle that. So in terms of like IDing them, I don't know the actual full system of like what goes into that algorithm. If I did, I'd be a millionaire, but in a sense, they, I mean, it's obvious they look for like multi-sport guys are like their thing. If you run track, if you play baseball, shot put, you you probably need to be a multi sport guy. They they basically comb through everything. and just kind of go, okay, these guys are just going to sit here and do this, and we'll kind of, and they 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 grind. And that's one thing I I know is something people always go, oh well, this staff grinds. This ground wake staff grinds. Both basketball and football, they absolutely grind film just day in and day out because they don't have the analysts. The amount of analysts that you know in Alabama does, but so like these, you have the literal coaching staffs sitting here grinding through tape, just day in and day out, and they're grinding through it, so many kids. And they, I mean, they the 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 algorithm will, will pump out kids that are just like within certain proximity, and you know, based on GPA and all of this certain stuff, and we'll go from there. But they'll so they'll it'll limit us from not going through you know, every single prospect, but they they grind it ton. It's, it's insane. Is there some confidence within the football program of the offensive line will rise to prominence during the coming season? Yeah, actually, I'm really high on Luke Pettibone. Really, really high on him. Staff is, he, I mean, there's a kid, Gravon Dexter, who I believe ended up being in, in the draft and getting, did he get drafted? Let me check on that, actually.
1: Uh, yeah, he got drafted by the Bears. And in the, in the second round. And
0: if you remember that name, the only person at the All-American, I think it was the All-American game in in Arizona. I can't remember remember if it was, but it was back in Pettibone's first uh, senior year. The only person to stop him in practice at all was Pettibone. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. Like They repeatedly had that matchup happening. And Luke was the only guy to stop him. Like there, there is a considerable amount of like, and I the guys that were there texted me when it was happening, and they were like, "Hey, like, how do we get this kid?" And I think if he can stay, if he is healthy, there, you don't just move Michael Jergens away from center from the position he's played for a long time just because of it, because of nothing. They, they, I think he will be a much better center, and I think having Jergens in a position where he doesn't have to sit here and A, take concussions, B, he can, he can be a guard and, and just let the game kind of slow down for him and use his athleticism more than anything else. I think he'll thrive in that. And then on the other side of him, you know, you have basically figure out between Nick Sharp, who's 330 pounds and athletic as hell, and Matt Goldman, who's about 300 pounds and strong that dude is a that dude is a strong man so i think the interior will be much better Devonte gordon at right tackle is all even saw the question is going to be a left tackle you know, if i love Spencer Clapp, clap the knees will they hold up is his he doesn't have as much up as much as you want at that position if that ends up not being a, a glaring red flag then they'll have a they'll they'll be really good which basketball transfer do you think will have the best impact se- next season slash play the most? Hunter Salas by far. Uh, well, okay. Play the most boopy because right now, I mean, it, it's boopy is giving the keys to the car. Have the biggest impact? I think it's Salas. I think Salas is, I don't, I don't think they've had that talent in a while. Which basketball freshman do you think will have the biggest impact next season? Play the most? I think it's between Parker and Triple M. And I'm gonna go, I'm going to go, especially with Bobby not being here, I'm going to go Triple M. I think there's a direct opening for a guy like him to play. And I I think he takes advantage of that. I still, I understand a decent amount of unknown about this team. I need Bobby and Efton Reed who who needs a waiver. What would you say are realistic expectations for next season? Tournament. I think realistically going to the tournament. This is a, is a, a, a year where I think Steve Forbes is going to push all of his chips in to say, Let's go as far as we can. I my personal expectations is not so much go as far as you can, like make the final four. If you do, great. I am on the the idea of especially if you can get Reed in. Um if you can get Reed a waiver and obviously fill his thirteenth this thirteenth spot tournament. I, I think you should, I don't know about what I haven't gone through wins and losses, but I think this is one where you should finish, you should. Win a couple, a game or two in the, in the in tournament, be a, probably a four or five in the, in the AC tournament, win a, couple, win a game or two, and then go on to the tournament. I think that should be your realistic expectations here. Last one's update potential timelines on Bishop Boswell and any other high priority basketball targets from 2024 class. So I know that recently there was a lovely, gigantic man by the name of John Bull. He plays at Sunrise Christian, Wichita, Kansas. He is the number 25 prospect in the 2024 class, seven foot one, 190 pounds. I think borderline five star at this point. He released a top, I think it was top seven, I want to say. And Wake was included, even though they had only offered a solid couple of weeks ago. It was top eight. Top eight was Wake, Florida, Missouri, Michigan, Texas, Yukon. Southern Cal and OTE, I think they're a little behind in that one. I mean, they've had a relationship with them, but the offer came a little late, and for reasons that because OTE isn't here, I don't think any more needs to be said about that.
1: I think they can win that one. I want
0: I, They got You got to get them on campus, though. You gotta. You gotta get them on campus. So they're in it, but they're. I think they're a little bit behind. In terms of Boswell, Boswell right now is focusing on playing basketball. We'll check back in on that probably in July, um, August. But right now, Boswell is focusing on, on playing ball. He's he is very he is very driven to that I really like where they where they sit with him right now, and they they're pushing. And I think they have a backup plan in Brooks Bear. But I, I think they're I think they get I think they get Boswell. I don't know when, but I think I think as things stand right now, they are the leader in the clubhouse for possible, even with all the new offers out. So thank you guys so much for joining me on this long one. This was a bit of a longer one. And as
1: always, go Deeks.